You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Journeyman. Today we talk with Coach James, the Wimby and Brittany brief hold around the world, the White Howard School of Parenting, and so much more. Let's get to it. Who are these guys? It's my theme music. Every good hero should have some. This is an institution of learning, ladies and gentlemen. If you can't control it, how can you teach? Discipline is not the enemy of enthusiasm. Welcome back to Journeyman, brought to you by the good folks at the DraftKings Network and Metal Arc Media. I am seven-year NFL veteran, uh, media personality, and future Michael Rubin, Hamptons party uh, invitee, Andrew Hawkins, joined by NBA aficionado uh, Amin Hassan and WNBA champion and future signee of Could Have Been Records, Sydney Colson. Sydney, what's up with you today? You always get the most random stuff. This is true, though. You wouldn't sign with, with Could Have Been Records, be honest. Those videos kill me. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I would go on just for the laughs. Like, I, I'm, I'm counting down the days until you, you get in there, because I know you got a character for Could Have Been Records. And for anybody who doesn't know, Could Have Been Records, I don't even know if I can call it a, a, a fake record label at this point, but Comedian Drewski has basically created this record label where it's, it's taken on a life of its own. And every big name in music and sports is tapped in and they're paying attention. And he kind of, he runs it like the worst record label you could imagine. But I like, <laughs> I, I I can't wait to see you on there. I would go on there too. I, I think I'm that would be funny. We need to go. I got a, to go. Sydney, I got, a, I got a movie for us. A music movie concept for me and you. I'll don't talk to you it. offline about it. But I, I think. Yeah, don't share it right now. Yeah, that's don't bad. Share. That's bad business. How, how you been, Sid? I don't think I'm we've. Good, I'm yeah. good. We just got back from um, a short road trip. And so we got a couple days till WNBA All-Star. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not an All-Star, surprisingly. I was going to say, are you are you going to be busy that week? Or how does that work? How did you not get, make the All-Star team? Right? That's what I'm saying. Like, I play like five minutes a game. I don't know what they're missing. Them is journeyman minutes. I mean, we haven't sp- spoken since you went viral on like the most journeyman clip in the history of journey journeymen or journeywomen athletes goofing off on the bench in the middle of a game with the star player. And then when the coach comes around, you act like you don't see him. I was like, yo, that's basically the damn trailer for the, for the, for the, for the podcast. But y'all don't even have to do that in football. huh? It's so many people. They're not like walking up and down. The- no, they do. They don't walk up and down like that much. Cause they, they, the, the fields change. So you basically, when you're a journeyman football player, you just got to get out the way. Like, your job is to make sure you're not at the part of the field where the coaches are. Because, A, you might not even want to go in. You might not even be mentally prepared to play because that's just not a part of your process. So it's not as overlap as what you guys, you know, deal with in basketball, but there's similarities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine you would have been that same kind of person, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I was, I was a goofball. I got all the clips of me at practice dancing in the background, doing things I wasn't supposed to do. Stretch oh, yeah, lines. Yeah, yeah, we're going we gonna, we gonna to do them all. What was your... Thoughts when the, the clip went crazy viral? Oh, I, I was just like, oh, I didn't think it was like that special. I'm like, we were just dancing on the bench. Like, <laughs> I just thought it was normal. It was funny, though, the way they shot, like, the way our girl, like, moved the camera to coach and then back to us. It was good timing. It was like some office type stuff. It was, so man. I don't know who's better for the WNBA game, you or Asia. i be honest. Like, I don't, I'm not sure because the reach is... It's crazy. You're not an all-star. Have you no. ever been close to being an all-star in your career? 
No, I'm an all-star in my mind, though. That's all so. that counts. You're an all-star in my mind, too. To me, they're just missing it. They but just... <laughs> for over a decade, they've missed it. But... <laughs> missing the boat, but whatever. There was one time I thought I could be close to making a Pro Bowl, which is obviously the NFL version of an all-star game. There was yeah. I was really close, and then the last five games, I I didn't play terrible. We had Johnny Manziel, who was my quarterback, and he was he was basically high for five straight weeks. So that was tough for me to get the statistics that I was looking for to get over the hump. But I felt like I was close. I know I got a good amount of votes that season, but it's all he right. Went to <laughs> he did go to A and M. I forgot y'all are your fellow alum. You're wild. Am I though? Um, threads. Let's start there, man. Did you did you get a Threads account? Bro, no. I keep seeing everybody talk about it. What? Yeah, you're on it. I did sign up for Threads. I'm I'm upset that I signed up for Threads, but I was like immediate. I was like in the waiting line because I'm so disappointed at where like Twitter is gone. And I think yeah. that's everybody. They like, yo, we got to get a different alternative. So much so that I know I'm gonna hate the Threads algorithm because I hate the Instagram algorithm and I hate the Facebook algorithm. And I know somebody was like. Somebody was like, Threads is just like a 360 deal. <laughs> like, because if you delete Threads, it deletes your IG. Yes, they locked like, me in. And I'm. that's why I'm mad that I signed up, because now they got <laughs> me in this death row contract, and I can't do nothing. I got to just be in there, face everything. They just marketed it. Other people that you might want to follow. It's crazy. Yeah. <sighs> so is, it that, is it even that inner, like, what is the difference? I don't think there's anything super special about it. I think it's just like, because, you know, there's some other Twitter, like, upstarts. But they're very yeah. new companies, and you can kind of tell. And I think, obviously, Meta is damn near created the social media game. And so it's, like, pretty quality. It's just, again, they just capitalize on an opportunity. And Lonnie played $44 billion for Twitter. And that thing is I, – I deleted Twitter off my phone. I do not have Twitter on my phone right now. For real? Yeah, yeah. So you get on on the computer? Yeah, I go straight from the laptop. <laughs> like a tweet deck and stuff, old man. Like it's 2009. I'm getting getting it in that way. Um, let's start off with in, in your town, Las Vegas, with Wimbenyama made his debut. He's played two games now, I think, in the Summer League. But before that, more importantly, he got into some beef with Britney Spears. I know you got to take. What was your thought on the Britney spears Wimbenyama beef that everybody saw coming? Yeah, I was like, what is going on? I thought it was... Um, I thought it was just a joke. I thought people were just being funny and putting, <laughs> I think they said they put her face on like the person who dunked on him or something. But I just, I didn't know that any of this was real because it was just so random. Why? Like they're from two different time periods. Like Brittany was a star 20 years ago. Dang. And this dude is like a teenager right now. So I'm like, how are they even like crossing paths? Why is this a thing? What somebody in his, somebody in his group like shoved her or something? Yeah. That's what it was like. So the story was she tried to run it up to Wimby because she's a fan. Random, to your point. Um, <laughs> so she tried to run up to him because she's a fan. And a security guard, she said, backhanded slapped her in the face. Like, just straight up slapped her. And it was like a conversation around, like, again, you know, how sports treats women and all the things. And when she wanted a public apology from Wimby, his team, the organization, the NBA. And then I think the video came out and she does run up to Wimby. Like, I think Wimby or somebody said that she grabbed him. She didn't grab him. She went to tap him like, hey, you know, hey, hey, hey. And the security guard, without even looking back, just swipes like hard. He big as hell. 
and he slaps her arm. And I don't know if he hits her in the face or she hits herself with her own hand. Yeah. But it's so it's it's a very strange thing, almost to the point where if I was a conspiracy theory, which I am, I kind of feel like the whole thing was staged. Like, there's no better way to make Wimby the star that they're trying to make him out to be yeah. than making giving him brief beef with Britney Spears. Like, what is that? What is this? Who wins? Who wins in this? <laughs> who wins in this beef? What is the outcome? <laughs> Vegas police didn't press charges. They said it was an ac- accidental. Britney's still mad, and I don't know. So it's just beef for yeah, life. Britney, Britney gonna have an album out in a month. <laughs> Britney gonna have a, a diss track. A diss track. Britney Spears Wimby diss track. I need that. Talk about could have been records. I would like that. Did you see Wimby's debut? I didn't get to see either. I haven't gotten to see either of his games. Just yeah. clips. Second, the second game he did pretty decent. The first game, I think he had like nine points, and you know, as you know, as Twitter does or Threads now, I got to put that in there. Uh, they were saying it's bus it's bus season for Wimby already. I feel like they were gonna over like analyze it whether he did well or he did poorly. Like, do you not think they were they were gonna make a big deal out of it yeah. either way? Either way, it was gonna it was gonna happen. I, I actually think it was a better outcome that he played shitty the first game because then it kind of take the pressure off a little bit. And he did. I think he went like 27, 12, and 6 or something the second game, which is a stat oh. line you would expect out the gate. Had he did that in game one. We'd already yeah. be unseating Braun as the greatest. It'd be like, oh, no, nah, Wimby's here to stay. It's, it's a wrap, you know. No, I'm curious to see. I want to see if he puts on some weight and stuff. Like, You think he got to put on weight? He's a four player, like a stretch four. Um, I just feel like at some point they're going to expect him to be down low. Because, I mean, he's a center size. Like, eventually you need to get yeah. down there. So you're going to be banging with Joel and B. Yeah. Nah, it's tough. But he's 7'4", though. True, but even if he's even if he's guarding like a Jokic or something like Jokic still got mass to him. Like these are yeah. big dudes; they'll just back you down. But I don't know. It just seems like he's real, like for real. Yeah, he is real for real. But you would imagine that has to be the case at that size. But you're right; he does need to gain weight. Um, very, very KD early on esque. But KD, yeah. you know, to your point, he plays on the outside. He's not banging in the post mm-hmm. all day. It's like the other dude that we said last Chet, time. Chet Holmgren. Yeah. 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 Maybe that's where the league is going, though. Maybe it's going skinny. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's the new wave. LeBron <laughs> LeBron was at Summer League, and he wore a T-shirt that had a picture of his uh, The Chosen One, Sports Illustrated cover. You think that was uh, coincidental, or you think it was like a no silver way. shot? What do you think? No give, way give me your no breakdown. Way. Give it to me. No way it's coincidental. I don't know. I'm wondering, like, is he... Uh... I don't really see a way to look at it like that's not a shot or something. Who is it a shot at? I mean, I gotta gotta be at anybody saying that this dude's the second coming. Like, I don't know. I just feel like LeBron. LeBron didn't accidentally wear that on the same day. And you don't think he just grabbed that T-shirt on accident? Maybe he don't feel like he. Maybe he don't feel like he's gonna be that nice in the league. So you think it's a shot at Wimby? That's the point. Okay, so you know it's a shot. That's what you're saying. You know it's a LeBron shot. We just not sure who the shot is directed at. Is it directed at Wimby or is it directed at everybody saying Wimby is the biggest since LeBron and maybe even bigger than LeBron? Maybe at other people, because I can't see LeBron beefing with a child. Hopefully he's not beefing with <laughs> <laughs> Is he a child? That's a crazy thing to say. LeBron beefing with a fellow <laughs> NBA player and categorizing them as a child is wild, bro. But it's the I truth. Really know. But they're in the same, like they got the same job. I don't care. How old is he? 
LeBron is what, 38? Oh, but how old is Wimby? Wimby, I think, 19? is 19. Yeah. That's a young adult. That's that's 19. That's a teenager. That's a teenager. So that would be that would be kind of scary to have beef with a teenager. <laughs> you almost borderline on the illegal. <laughs> you might get arrested in certain states. <laughs> I, I I thought it was probably a statement. I wouldn't say it was a shot. I would say it was more of a self-contained statement rather than a shot at everybody else. Like, this is who me. When I was in this situation, you're looking at the version of it that came of it, and then you're looking at what they were saying. And, and less like, uh, you know, this is at somebody else. Like I, to your point, I don't know if LeBron cares except that he just want to remind y'all this is what I did, just, just so you know. Okay, I can see that too. All right, well, we're going to talk a little Braun when we get back. A little Coach Braun, actually, and I want to get your perspective there. Drop the bass. In the break, we were talking about Zoom, and our producer, Jeff, had a crazy delay. It was like a 17-second delay. It was the craziest delay I've ever encountered on a video call ever. And it was bad because we told a joke, and then the laugh didn't come forward until like a, a whole segment after, which got us talking about Zoom, Sid, and Zoom etiquette. When I'm on a Zoom call, yeah. what does it say about me? I look at myself the whole time, like the entire meeting. And not from a like I'm admiring myself, more I think it's my anxiety of like not wanting to look stupid on the Zoom call. So when I'm even speaking, I'm looking at myself speaking. I guess my question is, am I a lunatic? Yeah, well, I would say yeah, for sure. Um, I think you can kind of like uh, sugarcoat it however you want to, but in the end, it is um, maniacal, <laughs> it's egotistical. Um, it's not egotistical. It's weird. All right. It's I weird. Do you ever get to a point where you're talking and looking at yourself and you're like, okay, I've been looking at myself for a while, and then you switch? I'll get to, I'll get to that point when somebody else is talking of like, yo, they're talking. And I'm basically on the phone because I'm looking at me and all I am taking in is, is audio. And then I'll then I will try to look elsewhere. But I didn't know that everyone doesn't do that. That's the crazy. That's what makes it a little lunatic because I thought that was normal. So you don't look at yourself at all in a Zoom. I do look at myself sometimes, but how, I don't stay percentage. looking at myself. What is your percentage? I'm, if I'm talking to you, I'm looking at you 90 something percent of the time. Okay. And if somebody else is talking, what percent are you looking at yourself while they're talking? I'll check to see what I look like, probably. Okay. Maybe a little, like, half the time. All right. So I might be a little off, because mine is, like, 90. Like, 90% of the no call. Light. There's no mic. There's no mic. You're off. So this whole time, for every time that we've been talking on this podcast, you've been listening. <laughs> no, because on my playback, I only see you. But if there was a split screen... On it, I would be looking at me. I'm going to be honest. That is, I want to make sure I don't look dumb. That's a, I think it's a well, deeper it's thing. It's you. You're going to look dumb. It's you. <laughs> You're right. I just got to, I got to settle into it. You're right. That is a stupid question. I agree with you. I'm going to try to do better. Uh, speaking of trying to do better, coaches help you try to do better. And there was a coach this weekend or this week who made a lot of headlines, someone that typically doesn't get talked about in the basketball community as much. LeBron James, but it was Coach LeBron James. So that's what makes it different, Sid, before you give me a little snarky looks. He was coaching at AU. And I, how I found out he was coaching at AU, there was somebody on Twitter who tweeted at, like, 
U.S. basketball and like the AAU association and was like, yo, so we just letting anybody coach now. But I had to get a license and he was like pissed. And he was like, there's no way that LeBron is a registered, but that doesn't matter because you guys just do whatever you want. Well, LeBron is a registered coach, AAU. And as well as, as Rajon Rondo, which was the coaching tandem I never thought we needed, but here we are. And so he looked stupid, which got me in going down to coach LeBron rabbit hole. And it got me thinking, like, would you want LeBron James as your AAU basketball coach? On the surface, it seems great. But I feel like for me, it will be a lot of pressure. Yeah, I think I mean, I think it will be a lot of pressure for the players for sure, because, I mean, you're going to have more eyes on the team. But if they're a really good team anyways, then maybe they're not like tripping about that. It's his son. It's Bronny's team right or no it's Bryce's team right I believe it's Bryce's team yes it's Bryce's team I don't know I feel like they'll probably I feel like they enjoy it like if they're around his kids they probably are already used to Mm -hmm. the attention at the same time like yeah maybe you think LeBron's a good coach um, I feel like he would be I feel like his IQ is really high like very I know there's players that can be people can be really good players and not be good coaches give me an example players you don't think would be good coaches Huh? Come on, give me a give me a take. I need something out of you. <laughs> give me give me some headlines. And I don't like just while we're on the topic, when we were talking about J. Cole and whether he could hoop or not, they cut that clip and put it. I was like, they was one step away from tagging J. Cole just to make sure he knew it was me that said it, which I didn't appreciate because they don't ever want me to go to Dreamville Fest or whatever it's called. Um You always want a hot take. But give me a hot take. What coach what player do you think would be a bad coach? Oh my gosh! Um, I can throw some names out, and you give me you give me your response. All right, go ahead. KD, I think he'd be a good coach. You think KD would be a good coach? Why? I think he knows basketball. I feel like he has an high, a high IQ, like okay. LeBron. Like, I don't know what kind of teammate he is, or like how he communicates with people. I think that's the part sometimes that's tough for players who are really good to have to teach the game. So many things are just instinct, like. Off instinct, they know mm-hmm. how to do, mm-hmm. and they've done it at a high level for so long that you're not really good at teaching and explaining. Because to you, it's just like you should know this. I don't even know how to teach you this. Just do it. Just, just do a step back three and <laughs> hit it from the logo. It's not that hard. Yeah. Steph Curry. Yeah, 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 I think so. Good coach. Okay, uh, Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Cap. Now I said I wanted to check to see because you just talked about communication and. Kyrie, you said teammate communication, and Kyrie will come on here and tell you his teammate communication has not been great. So now I feel like you're just saying yes. Is that the truth? See, this is what I mean, Sid. You know, you got to say what you feel. This is journeyman. We're giving, we giving honest takes here. All right, Diana Taurasi, good coach? Yeah, actually, her teammates love her. Yeah? Okay. Um, so it's based on if your teammates love you. That's the uh, criteria now? No, no, no. I was about to say. Okay. You didn't let me finish. All right, I was ahead. like, her teammates love her. And opponents don't. Okay. Uh, but you've definitely just seen her take over huddles and do shit. She just, like, punks the coaches a lot. So I'm like, she, <laughs> must, she must be drawing up stuff and everybody else listens. So. All right, I'll give you that. Uh, Cynthia Faust. Yeah. Sylvia. Yeah, Sylvia Faust. Um, yeah. Steph Curry. You told me you told me when I said yeah. You're trying to get me to say no. I tried to see if you double back real <laughs> quick. You're to take me. Paul George. <laughs> I think he would say that he's the he wants to be the assistant coach. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's worse than saying someone be a bad coach. All right, Dwight Howard. I don't know after what he did. 
All right, so there's a clip of Dwight Howard that went viral this week of him coaching his son up. His son is crying on the elliptical. He's, like, hitting him in his chest, telling him to, to, you know. It's, like, bordering between, like, encouragement and, like, I don't know if it's abuse or not because I don't know what happened prior to the video, you know, but it it seemed like it was being forced, which, again, is, like, a certain part of being an athlete, as you know, that you got to push through, right? So if you're teaching that. Um, So I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. But it did not seem like the LeBron James school of coaching your kids. And it's funny because with all these NBA kids and WNBA kids, like now old and going to the league, it does make me question all the former legends whose sons never came close or like, <laughs> I'm like, y'all is just bad dads. That's what it feels like. I'm not going to call any names out, but do you understand what I'm saying though? So who would you say? Tell me if you're talking about Jordan. Are you talking about Jordan? I don't know. I'm not talking about Jordan. Shaq. But if you're talking about Jordan, I'm, I'm okay to have that no. conversation. I'm naming like older people with kids who play Master P. <laughs> Master P was not an NBA player. Yes, he was. <laughs> no, he was not. Did he not play in Charlotte? He played a couple preseason games that I feel like was a marketing. In what like, in what league did he play in? Like Tony Romo did warm-ups with the Mavs. Hawk. Hawk. That does in not mean he league? played in the NBA. Hawk, in what league did Master P play in? Whatever league that was, they was playing in, in the uh the make them say um video. Whatever. <laughs> <I> <laughs> Whatever they had the no limit jerseys, I don't no know. No limit soldiers. That no. Yeah. I don't know what league that was. So, so this isn't like your parenting, your coaching style as a dad. I feel like I feel like that is a correlation to the kind of coach you would be if, as a parent. Like, because you know, I, my son is eleven. He plays football, and he's he's starting tackle football this year. He's played flag football previously. But he's like well advanced for a kid his age because, you know, he, wherever necessary or possible, you teach him tidbits. They're around the game so much. Yeah. Being a player's kid yeah. is an advantage because it's like it's like if your dad was a real estate tycoon, you yeah. would already know so much like inherent knowledge about the industry because you've been hearing it. You've been hearing the languages. You know, you've been hearing your your, your mother or your father speak. And, and like so when you get to that point, you're at a head start versus your peers. Athletes' children are the same way, like if you've been around. So (laughs) you already have a genetic. Most times if you get, you know, those those genetics, it matches um, to a certain extent. And then there's like the true uh, opportunity to kind of give you a leg up. And that's in the information. Unless, again, you're not around or giving that information or kind of inside that process. So you go hard like to you. Was he doing too much or was that just normal? I think, I, I don't know. I think every scenario is different. I think where, I would say he's doing too much for this reason. There's no reason to have a camera there. If there was no camera and you're telling a story about, oh, my kid was crying and I'm trying to get him to understand that training and being an athlete is, you know, you got to push through. There's a different level. And that's, that's a fact. If people want to know what the difference is between professional athletes and people who like to play, it's that. Yeah. It's, an, it's a mental right. ability to make yourself go beyond limits that most people will cash it in at. So I get that. The minute you put it on social media, now nah, I'm side-eyeing you. You know what I'm saying? I'm like... But you also got to look at from the perspective of if Dwight really thought that he was doing something wrong, you wouldn't have been... Maybe you would have already been filming because maybe this is for, I don't know, you think your son's about to be great, so uh-huh. y'all are just like documenting stuff from this age. 
But like, if he really thought that he was doing something wrong, I don't think he would have put it on there to receive backlash. He thought he was just encouraging in a normal way. No, I think I think people I I I disagree because I I don't think people know. I think people think things are going to be good, and then they go they go completely opposite. Which but that's, no, you're saying what I'm saying though. You think that Dwight thought things would be okay? Yeah, he thought it was a good thing. Yeah, because he thought that he was just he thought this was okay. Yeah, well, he, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're on the same page there. But yeah, then, yeah. I, but then to me, it's like now I question all your decision making. <laughs> right. So now I can't. Now I can't trust the decisions you've been putting your kid through because there's no way you looked at that video and thought they're gonna love this. They gonna this about to get so many rethreads. It's like what? <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's way. no way that's what they're called. There's, I think they are called rethreads. I don't know. I might have made that up. <laughs> I wonder what he's doing off camera. Yeah, because that's crazy too. Yeah. And remind- I didn't think it was terrible. I didn't think it was terrible, but the crying was excessive. Once the kid is crying a lot, you don't have to put that up there. Nah, you don't got to put that up there. But you're right. It's a decision-making thing. And you know what? When we come back, we're going to talk about more decisions or tweets or threads that probably should have been left in the drafts. Sid, I don't know if you were paying attention to the, the Twitter drama. Uh, before even threads dropped. This was like the last big Twitter uh, drama before threads jumped on the scene. But it was with Kiki Palmer. And Kiki is my homegirl. She is one of my favorite people. We're not really homegirls. We did like a show together. (laughs) And in my mind, we're friends, I feel like, uh, even prior to that, because she is just probably one of the most down-to-earth people that yeah. you can, it just comes through on the screen, and then when you meet her, it's the same exact way. She's like the complete opposite of you. But she, oh, you she, <laughs> she had uh, a lot going on on the Twitter sphere between her and um, the father of her kids. Were you paying attention? I feel like you have a take here. Yeah, yeah, I was watching. Okay, so she was in Vegas. She was at an Usher show. Usher came and, you know, sung to her up close and personal. It seemed like... You know, her significant other. I don't even know how to describe exactly what's going on, but that def- he's definitely the father of her of her child, who I'm also cool with. That's my that's one of my homies people. So I was just kind of sitting in the middle of it, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, he's not happy about what she's wearing. Um, she he tweets that out. Probably mm-hmm. something that this day she probably would have kept in the drafts. I think if he was on here, he would say the same thing. Twitter start going in on him. Everybody yeah. kind of jumped on different sides of the of the, of the boat. For you, yeah. Sid. What was your take? What is what is your opinion of the situation? Who is in the wrong? Which I feel like everybody kind of agreed on one side here. But I am curious to put yourself in a situation. What will be going yeah. through uh, Sid Colson's mind? I feel like it's wild to take it to the internet. Always wild. That's number one. That's one thing everyone can agree on. Everybody can agree on that. Don't take now, it to the I internet. Thought, I saw the video. I was like, if anything, I would have thought you felt more of a way about like the up close and personal nature of the singing mm-hmm. and everything, like them touching. But I mean, she acts like, I feel like it was just for camera, like playing into it. Like, almost like if that was a video. Uh-huh. Okay, but, it, it, so in my mind, if anything, you're more bothered by that than what she's wearing. But it was just strange to see him saying so much online and she said nothing. Like. <laughs> completely ignoring it's like are y'all even in the same house <laughs> like is there a conversation being had because she just went on like promoting stuff 
singing. Like, like why wasn't that a text message? Like, why wasn't that sense. a text message? And to your point, I don't think it was about what she was wearing. I think that's what he tweeted out. It probably right. was closer about than what you're talking about. But to your yeah. whole point, which is where I think everyone agreed, like, yo, let's let's not take this to the net. Like this, this is this is not the place to air this out. And and anytime it's so rare that everyone on Twitter kind of like I felt bad for him because there's so few situations where everyone is united Correct. to come at. And it's just like it felt like a lot, man. And I'm like it's like the wrong thing to do in most circumstances, but especially when Kiki is so the beloved. girl that is about when she's the woman it's about nobody is gonna be on your side. Like who dislikes Kiki Palmer. It's a tough, it's a tough position to be in. Like if it was me and you beefing, like they would be on my side, right? Because Wrong. like I could come at you and they would be like, yeah, we can see it. Because nobody is like super like you don't got the stands like that. You Are you looking at yourself right now? <laughs> you see how dumb you look? <laughs> see how dumb you look and sound? <laughs> bottle, bottle up how dumb you look and then go say that back to yourself. Um <laughs> That is that is your, your facts there. Have, you familiar with Jeff Teague? Yeah. So Jeff Teague is on a podcast, and he was talking about, like, the day he essentially just stopped playing defense. And he <laughs> said he was playing Steph Curry, and he was giving him everything he had, and he played the best defense of his life. Oh. And, yeah. yeah, pause. And then Steph Curry gave him 44 still. And that day he was kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm good on this. I'm just going to not do this no more. <laughs> Have you ever had somebody you played against where it did not matter what you like did from a defensive standpoint or an offensive standpoint, you just felt like you were outmatched? I never really played anybody enough minutes in a full game. No, 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 no. You can't because there's got to be somewhere, whether it's, it's college, like whether it's AAU. Like you've been yeah. a professional for 10 plus years. You've oh, never yeah, been yeah. an all-star. We've, we've covered that. So we understand that minutes perspective but in even in the the let's say it's a five minute span or it's college who are the players that you played against where you're like this person is just way better than me and there's nothing i could do about it okay i never felt like that never you've never felt like that not they're just like way better but it's been moments where somebody when somebody is just in there you could just tell they're having a game Uh and what you're doing is not working like daniel robinson plays for atlanta right now Super quick when we mm-hmm. played her in college, she was just having a game. She played at OU, and it's one of those things. I can think about times in the W two, like when you got to go in and guard somebody, but they've already like they've already warmed up and gotten hot. It's like all right, they're just kind of on a burner right now. It's not a lot you can do. Yeah, try to throw some stuff at them, but it's like I like that. I like that's a better way of saying. That's a better way of saying they were giving me buckets. That's an athlete mindset because it's not. It doesn't even register in your mind that this person's better than me. It's just like, oh, you having <laughs> you getting lucky today, boy. <laughs> you having a day? <laughs> Dang, fifty on me. <laughs> you must have woke up early today. You got lucky there. Did you ever get Danielle back? Did you ever play her again and get the better of her? I mean, like we would win the matchups, but individually, like no, there were times we would win the matchups, but individually that game, like she had, she was just every time. Uh, most times, most times was she on yeah, one of those, those heaters that you talk about? Huh? Was most times you played her, was she on like one of them hot streaks that you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, like she would usually have good games. <laughs> it was just that one particular game. She really, we thought we had it. And I think she did, I think she hit like a game winner or some shit. This is very therapeutic. You know what I'm saying? Because you can make me look at myself. 
um, no pun intended from the Zoom conversation, but you can make <laughs> me look within and say like, yo, Hawk, you got to realize this is not normal. You know what I'm saying? Be honest with yourself and what the rest of us see that you're a lunatic, right? And so in that same vein, I could then say, Sid, I get from your perspective, it's she's just on a heater. But if every time you play her, she's on a heater, <laughs> that is what we're talking about, that she might be busting your ass every time. Look, it's like it's the players too in the W right now, like they're going, they're like volume shooters or they're just like, they're going to get a lot of shots up. Uh-huh. So have a, they're going to have a, like a Rike for Dallas right now. I mean, obviously there were years where when Maya was in the league, it's just like certain people, Kelsey Mitchell, uh, Raquana, Williams, Diana Taurasi at games like that. Uh-huh. Jewel, like Certain people, when they get going, Chelsea Gray on our team right now, on Vegas right now, I'm like, I know people have a headache sometimes. So it's just people who are very clutch. Yeah. And once they get in their groove, like. There's just nothing you could do. A prayer. You just send up a prayer. Yeah. I had a couple people like that um, that I played. There was a, a cornerback, Chris Harris Jr. And see, my mm-hmm. thing was routes. I could route anybody up because I was quick. I'm short. I'm low to the ground. My change of direction yeah. is nuts. I was the quickest human on earth at one time. See, that's a, that's a <laughs> fact. And that's this particular corner who played for the Broncos, he played for the Chargers, he just was really a really good matchup. And I could not get open for him. And I, and I had that same mindset that you're talking about. In my mind, it was... Oh, he had a good game today. And then after so many games against him, I'm like, oh, no, he's giving me the business over a long period of time. Like, looking back on my career, I'm like, this cat was just locking my ass up. And I just had to – I got to come to grips with that, you know? But not while you're playing. No, you, you can't. Yeah. True that. Yeah, you're still active. You can't be just giving those – you can't be just saying that because contract negotiations still got to happen. <laughs> there's, there's still a lot to be a lot to be done there. Um, speaking of football, DeAndre Hopkins, he is a free agent, and this is one of the best receivers of kind of our generation. I think he's like top 35 in receiving yards ever, which is obviously great. He's 31 years old, and they asked him recently like, a, like when he would hang it up. He said, for as long as I'm still getting 1,000 yards a season, which is kind of the benchmark receivers use to if it's like they're a top receiver or not, he's going to stick around. Which got me thinking about like, well, how do you make that decision from a retirement standpoint? I remember my decision. I got to a point where, uh, to your with everything you're saying about like the mindset, I could feel my mindset changing. You know, like yeah. I, I'm I'm a five seven, 175 pound player playing in a game full of giants, and so I always had this like, you know, unrealistic sense of myself. If let you tell it, I still have it. But in those moments, I wasn't scared of nothing, right? Like, I was like, I would battle with anybody. And then I got yeah. to a point in an age when I was in the league of, like, I would think about it. Like, do I want to do this, right? Like, I would go across the middle like a like a fierce lion. Like, if you, if you like it, I love it type energy, right? The roar. And then yeah. after a while, I'm like, yo, I don't want to do that because it hurts, <laughs> you know? And I would I think about it. And, it. and so, like, as I started to slowly slowly creep in i remember one game specifically i ran a route over the middle and i was facing the quarterback so my back's to the defense i don't know what's behind me and it's supposed yep. to it's supposed to the right to my chest so i can catch it brace myself turn and go and if it's yep. to the right or to the left that's a bad pass he threw it yep. way to the right which is like the inside and i couldn't see what was coming and <sighs> so instead of like just going with it and being like well i got to do what i got to do i just slapped it to the ground yep. and 
there was nobody in there and it looked really bad on film. And I was like, I was a bad pass. Don't throw me in there. And then everyone was kind of looking at me like, yo, did you really just do that? And then so I had to start looking at myself. So that was kind of the beginning of the end for me. It was a mindset thing. So in your mind, if you had caught, if you had gone to catch that, you might have been hit by somebody immediately. And I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't want to do that right then. We was losing, you know. um, Younger you, a younger you would have done it. Younger me would have been like, I don't want a problem, but if you want a problem, no problem. Right. Like that's that's kind of younger me energy. So for me, that's when I decided, Okay, it's time to retire. You're over this. You know, you're slow as hell anyway. Chris Harris (laughs) is out here locking you up every time you all play. It's time to go get a microphone or do some Instagram. They're not locking you up. They just had a day. They just had a day. Right. It started to change in my mind. I'm like, oh, no, you're getting locked up. So for you, Sid, right, you've been in the game a long time. You've been in the W for a decade plus national champion, WNBA champion, all the things, and you got hella opportunity off the court. So what is your mind? Like, when will you know it's time to retire? I think I'm not fully there yet, but... Why? I, that's not like a bad thing. That's, that's not me saying like, yo, retire, my dude. No, I, I'm asking, like, why don't you think you're there yet? One of my friends literally tells me that, you know, Toby, yep. we like, <laughs> every time we talk, he's like, retire. He texted to me not long ago in all caps. <laughs> We were talking about something else. He said, just retire. Like, what are you doing? I think for me, um, like, I still love basketball. I'm still competitive. I get your mindset. Like, yeah, it's different. Like, when you're being hit. Like, when you got to go into something uh, every day, thinking Mm -hmm. about, like, actually being physically harmed. Right. It adds another element to it. But I think when I can feel, um, I have been in a space, though, where, like a few years ago, I thought that it was about to be like my career was going to be over anyways. Like I wasn't in the W. Um, what was this? 20, 2021. And I was like, I was at peace with it, though. I was like, you know, my career really went longer than I thought it would for me to not have played a ton of minutes over the course of my career. So I was like, all right, if this is all God had for me, cool. And I was ready to start acting anyway. So mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, well, this will be my next thing. Just so have it, though, like i went to Aces training camp and made it. We won last year and then I'm back with them this year. Um, but I think I'm definitely at a point where I feel a passion, like a strong passion still for other things. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm not far from being like, I'll be fine when this is over. Like, right. I don't think that I'll deal with what a lot of players deal with. You know, people deal with like depression being done and yeah, not knowing what they're going to do next, but I'm never just, even though I played basketball for this long, I never just viewed myself as a basketball player for real. Like, I just think it's what like God had in store for me for mm-hmm. a period. But I'm like, I don't even think that's half of like what God has for me in my life for real. So when it's done, I'm like, okay, it'll just be done. That's super dope, man. We're going to take a quick break, but to, to make you feel even better, we've never viewed you as a basketball player either. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this <laughs> All right, let's get through some uh, some rapid NBA stuff here, I mean, But first, there was a tweet going around that said, would you rather take $1 million cash or go for a chance for $20 million if you can score 15 points in a 48-minute NBA game? Which give, one are you doing? Give me the cash. $1 million? Give me the loot. Give me the loot. Let me, dog, 15 points in an NBA game? Yeah. It's insane. First of all, 90% of the people saying they take the t- – the chance for 20 mil, 
three trips up and down, they're tired. Done. Because let me tell y'all right now, let me look in the camera. Look in the camera. That little rinky-dink court you play at at your Y or Lifetime Fitness or whatever is like a third of the size. An NBA court is humongous. I'm not even talking about like the three-point line is really far or whatever. I'm just talking about baseline to baseline. That shit is no joke. Now, if you're used to it, it's fine. But you coming off of wherever you hoop at, whatever playground or blacktop, you're not used to it. Number two, I'm assuming there are other NBA players in this game. Yeah, they're the playing game. in the NBA game. So you're, you're, everything happens so fast. <laughs> so fast. Like, like pass, I'm wide open. And by the time you've, the ball has hit your hands and you're turning to shoot, it's like you're already swallowed. It's crazy. I've been in drills. Like, I'm telling you, man, there's nothing like being the guy who's supposed to be guarding the ball handler and then the big is supposed to set the screen and then he you know he rolls and then they throw uh-huh. the lob right and Shaq set the screen and when I tell you like I grazed him and it went everything <laughs> in my body went oh my god it was like a, a instant stinger uh and nothing can like prepare you I don't know I don't know what the NFL uh, equivalent is Anything, but getting hit by everything by Shaq, but it's not even that. If it doesn't feel like wow, this dude really hit me hard. It feels like the Empire State Building, like there's a <laughs> solidness there that even this desk, these walls, I don't feel that. I don't feel that. Like like when I felt running into Shaq, it felt like I ran into the Empire State Building. Like this shit ain't moving. A hundred of me could never move this thing. Um. So everything's everyone's huge, everyone's super fast, everyone's super bouncy. Even the ones that you think can't jump, uh-huh. like they can jump compared I, to you. Right? I would I would agree to that. And also, if you could score fifteen points in an NBA game, you probably points. would be making twenty million a year. Fifteen points. Fifteen. I thought I was gonna say hit a shot. No, 15, I mean, a lot of people are taking the chance at the 20X. I played in that same flag football game with Snoop Dogg. JaVel McGee was in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think fans are like, oh, JaVel McGee, you know, big, seven-foot kind of, you know, I don't want to call him clumsy, but seven-footers aren't typically yeah, known he's for He's a movement. goofy goofy-looking guy, but, man, I let me tell pick, you. and I started taking it back, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is easy. I'm scored. JaVel took off, and I'm like, yeah. yeah. I, I'm a 4'3", and this is like fresh after my career. He, he almost tracked me down. He's not fast for a big guy. He's fast. He's period. Fast, period. That's the yes. thing that people don't get. It's not like, oh, he's got pretty good handles for a big guy. No, he's got handles, period, period. Right. compared yeah. to everyone you've played against. I agree. But like I said, if you can score 15 points in a 48-minute NBA okay. game, you probably would be making $20 million a year already What's as that? an NBA player, like our next person we're going to talk about, Dylan Brooks, who just signed a four-year <laughs> $80 million yeah. contract, making yeah. exactly that, $20 million a year. The Houston Rockets made a couple of moves at Veterans. Uh, Fred Van Fleet also mm-hmm. got a $207 million contract God negotiated by Chris or Rich Paul. Rich Paul. Rich Paul, the best agent in the NBA? Uh, I think per capita, yeah. Per I think capita? There's, there's other guys that are They're good, yeah. Bill Duffy's great. Uh, uh, Jeff Schwartz is great. Uh, Mark Bartlestein is really good. But, yeah, Rich Paul, I think when you look at, like, because he doesn't have, like, a million clients. Yeah. He's very boutique-driven. And where he's come from. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, like where that, that part. Yeah. I mean, it's not even close. I mean, Rich Paul yeah. seems to be that that guy. What, what did you make of the Dylan Brooks contract? Because I think everyone was saying he was going to go play in China. Yeah, What's I mean, but, like, that's, but that's the problem, like, when internet jokes become people's frame of reference for actual 
what's analysis. going on. Yeah. yeah, like like okay, it's funny and stuff, but he's still an elite NBA defender. He's got good size, and I think the thing that people lose is that this is a guy, regardless of how you feel about him, shenanigans, acting like a dumbass, whatever. He's a pro in terms of like his work ethic, where he's come from, how how he's built himself into the type of player he is, mm-hmm. the professionalism in terms of showing up to work, getting the work done in the weight room, in the film room, in the on, on the court, uh, in the practice floor. And Houston has a really really young team, right? So they need role models of guys that are hey like this is you want to play in this league. This is the job. Yeah, it's not just show up to practice and then peace out and go Do play TikToks. Call of Duty and. Right. Do whatever Jalen Green and Josh Christopher were doing yeah, in that yeah, one viral yeah, okay. video, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you need some you, they, young like, boys need some guidance over there, <laughs> basically. There's there's a lot more work that needs to be done, and so him, Van Vliet, and Jeff Green was the third guy. Those guys are all guys who carved out a living in this league. Uh, Van Vliet, obviously undrafted. Dylan yeah. Brooks, you know, not highly regarded coming out, um, or as highly regarded. Jeff Green was a, a top five pick, a lottery pick, but that was a hundred years ago. He's ninety seven. Years old. And he had heart surgery. Like, this dude came back yeah. from, like, you'll never play sports again. Right. So, like, they all have something there that's, like, you hope can wake up some young guys or whatever. And the other part of it is it's Houston. They're terrible. So, like, if you want to convince guys to come play there. got to pay them. You got to pay them. And finally, they changed the rule in the new collective bonding agreement. agreement that, that allowed them to sign Dylan you, Brooks. Well, because You have to reach your salary floor, which is the minimum salary What a great paid. rule. By day one by of day the one. regular season. Ah, so, so they moved it up. So you got to get rid of that money. So is it, it a contract that – was he overpaid or is it is it just right? Because I think that's where a lot of fans get confused, yeah. especially if you're NFL fans. And, like, you know, you always – he's making as much as – Oh, yeah. Like, you know, oh, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek yeah. Hill is making, right? Tyreek so Hill like, has $72 million guaranteed. This guy's got 80. Like, So is he overpaid or is this just right for what the – this is how NBA works. The average NBA salary last season was around $10 million. Goodness right. gracious. Uh, the mid-level exception is now – $12 million, which is supposed to be where the average is, mm-hmm. roughly. Um, he's making 20 a year, so he's slightly above average. And as we go on, the cap continues to go up. Man. But his number is not going to change with that. It's going to be whatever it is on the books. So relative to where the salary cap is, yeah. he becomes more and more of a good value, as long as he maintains at least this level of play. Obviously, if he turns really terrible, then... Your SOL there. That makes me so jealous because I was a slightly above average player, and that means I could have made twenty million dollars a year. In there the go NBA. that delusion again, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I, what? I, I, I was like, starting. Man, I could have played like that's. What is we? That, I, like, if I crazy? started for a team that at least has to be slightly above average. You started for what team? The Browns. No, that doesn't. No, that's a team. No, no, I'm. We're talking about basketball. I'm though. saying the equivalent, though. I'm but, saying the equivalent of a slightly at above average player on the NBA oh, makes 20 million a year. Got you. The equivalent of the NFL at I'm my sorry. time made like four million a year. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like this. I mean, the, part how it of goes? It, part of it is the march of time, right? Like now, the the uh, <laughs> did you, average. Did above you think average. I said I started in the NBA? That's what I thought you were saying. <laughs> I thought we were going back to the 20 million dollar thing. I'm like, no, man, not you too. <laughs> That's beyond delusional. That is literally. Categorically crazy <laughs> if I just straight up lied like that. Uh, on Podcast P, which is Paul George's podcast, yeah. uh, he was talking to DeMar DeRozan, and they talked about the legendary one-versus-one uh, competitions they would have in the league. Mm-hmm. And then when they were on uh, Team USA, which had a lot of people on social media talking about if that should be something they added to the All-Star festivities. Are, are you all in for a one-on-one uh, dude, competition? I know some... McGrady has a thing going, too. Yeah. 
yeah, T Mac is an investor in this one on one league, right? Yeah. I'll be honest. I mean, shout out to T Mac. You know, I Uh-oh. hope I hope that thing blows up. You know, because T Mac's my buddy, and like, but I you're about to say it won't. Uh, well, I mean, like, blow up also is very relative. Like, yeah, I, I hope his investment proves to be very fruitful. Right. I'm just saying, like, in terms of All Star Weekend, wanting to watch players go one on one, I'm telling you, it's not the experience you think. It's not right. Jake Shuttlesworth versus Jesus Shuttlesworth. Right. 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 It's, okay. It's a lot more complaining and talking about stop holding me and da 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 and 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 uh, more often than not one dude just bully balling his way to the front of the ring what about if you do it in like like small spurts what if it's like to three and then the next person jumps on and it's oh. like high octane oh, yeah. one beat, beat. Yeah, but that's practice there's something there <laughs> that's practice now yeah. like wait, what are we doing here but it's you like, crown a champ if, if you give him a trophy it's no longer practice practice is just that's like saying competition with no trophy we should have like the Oklahoma drill at the Pro Bowl like you don't think people would go Nuts for you, the Oklahoma drill at the Pro Bowl. Players want to do the Oklahoma drill. I know, at the Pro but Bowl. If I'm saying in theory that might That's, be the most entertaining thing. The whole to football fans. issue with All Star Weekend is they don't want to do anything. <laughs> you just added something where like I gotta go. And by the way, it's not like within the context of a team where it's like, well, we lost, but it was all good. It's in the context of man, so and so beat your ass. Like, like they don't want to hear all that. I'm like, I'm trying to relax. It's supposed to be All Star break, not All Star work. Valid, valid. Speaking of uh, secondary leagues, Ice Cube got beef with the NBA. Mm-hmm. He's saying the NBA is hating on him, essentially. Mm-hmm. He's saying he's telling him, telling investors they view him as competition. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something he should be surprised at? So he he came on our show, uh-huh. uh, on Levitard's show. This is probably like a month and a half ago. And he talked about that. He said privately there are individual NBA owners who told him they love what the big three is doing. Mm-hmm. They enjoy it. They wish they could invest. But, but the league has said, no, absolutely not. Big three off limits. Off limits. And he said, you know, uh, Cube said they wanted it to be a compliment. They always looked at it as a compliment to the NBA because it happens mm-hmm. in the summertime, uh, particularly later in the summer, like August, when there really isn't any NBA coverage or action. And then, like, they're giving life to these players that people loved and, yeah. and really appreciated a decade ago plus. So he thought it was going to be a nice kind of – you know, like, we'll make basketball a year-round thing. And, like, at the high end, you get a guy like Joe Johnson who gets called up from the big three to the NBA. Mm-hmm. And you get, you know, some guys get, like, another new lease on life or whatever. At the, you know, but at the modest end, it's just like, oh, yeah, we're making basketball year-round. And his thing was, like, the NBA is not open at all into collaborating, into being yeah. affiliated. And he thinks it's because they want their own thing. It's like they, they want to own everything. And I can tell you from experience, that is the NBA way. But that's the business way, too. Like, I don't sure. feel like it should be that much of a surprise because the NBA isn't just about the National Basketball Association. It's about the game of basketball. And the NBA feels like they own basketball. Yep. And the NFL feels like they own football. football. And so anytime you kind of approach those from a collaborative point of view, it's going to be tough because – they don't want people's eyes off of their main product. Yeah. And that's what it is. Even in the summertime, there's free agency. There's the draft. There's all these things that may not be directly just straight up basketball, right. to your point. But it's still taking eyeballs or taking dollars away from something else that if somebody's fix is basketball, come find it somewhere else. Right. And to your point, that's that's where it becomes competition. If you approach it from a collaborative effort, you're going to be sliding yourself. What you got to do is you also have to adopt the mindset that this is competition and then force their hand yeah. because you're so successful in making such market share in the game of basketball. Isaiah Thomas, the, the original Isaiah Thomas, tells a story about he bought the Continental Basketball Association, which was the 
mm-hmm. the minor CBA. league. Yeah, it was it was the NBA's minor league. It was actually as old, if not older, than the NBA as yep. as a league. He bought it because he thought, "Look, I'm I'm Isaiah Thomas. I you know played in the league, whatever, and coached I, you know, in the I, league. Coached yeah. in, you know, I own I owned the or was a minority owner in the Raptors. Like, of course, it'll be collaborative." And instead, the NBA launched the D League, which is now the G League, mm. and completely killed the CBA. And the, that was, he's like, he talks about that as like a huge business lesson. Like, you think, yeah, everybody's like friendly, ah, yeah, man, we'll do something or whatever. But the reality is, no, they're coming, they're coming yeah. for it. They want to own everything, and they don't want to deal with you. Absolutely. And so you truly got to force their hand. Yeah. All right, last topic before we get out of here. Uh, there was a big discussion. You seen all the NFL players who have had suspensions come down on them for betting yeah. and gambling. Yeah. Now, we are in a, diff- a different world. When I was playing, it was like betting is the biggest no-no. And they yeah. still tell players that. But even for people off, like fans, it was obviously yep. taboo to be uh, participating in sports, gambling, and betting, and around anything in the game. Times have changed, obviously, and, and I think it's Shout good. out to DraftKings. Shout out to DraftKings, yeah. because now more and more fans, it, it gets them kind of watching and have more of an invested interest in it. But from a player perspective... It's obviously still taboo, and players have been getting hard-lined suspensions and but punishment. Like, hawk, like, and the players are like, "Well, why can't we bet on it?" Now, before hawk. I get my perspective, as a what, it, give me your take. What are you feeling? They said, "Don't bet on premises. Premises being facility, stadium, mm-hmm. bus, plane. Anytime you're on team business, yeah, don't do it." How hard is it for you to put your phone down? It's tough in this world. Until like you go home. It is a it's a it's a it's a different generation to me. Like, come on. The phone man. Is, is right there. And the other thing I said was, well, who cares what they're betting on as long as it's not NFL games? Yeah. Why do we care if they're betting on the ponies or they're betting on March Madness or whatever from inside the locker room, from inside, man, at the 50-yard line right before, yeah. like, kickoff or whatever? And because I'm not a gambler, right, not like that, uh-huh. what's been told to me is if you let them do that, they'll it's do only next. a matter of time before they'll do the other one. And And, like, I felt like... To me, it feels like that's a very clear, easy, hard line. Just say, hey, yeah. as long as you don't do it on NFL games, we're good. Yeah. But And okay. even still, I mean, I, I'm with you. I don't think I don't. Like, why, I, do, I I think, ca- why do I care if they, like, they, they put a bunch of money on who's going to win the U.S. Open? Well, their perspective, like Jonathan Jones of the Patriots is saying, like, why can't I bet on my team to win? If I'm trying nah, to no. win, why can't I bet nah, for me no. to win? That's what you want me to do. <laughs> nah, man. And to your <laughs> point, it's such a slippery slope. It's that like, one, that Jonathan Jones turn because you know why? At the most basic level. All right, you play 16, or excuse me, 17 games, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you bet on 10 of them. <laughs> what are we supposed to infer about the seven you didn't bet on? <laughs> oh, these, all right, man. He, yeah, he ain't even yeah. it, like the, the act of doing it alone m- alone makes you culpable for every time you don't bet. And I don't even think, I mean, yes, obviously there's a laundry list of reasons why you shouldn't and why that, like, you know, effort and people questioning this. Down to the basic level, it's you don't want to build distrust from a consumer perspective. Dude. That is never worth it. Like, if I worked at McDonald's and I might be in there, I might be the best dropping the fries, mm-hmm. I might be flipping burgers, I might 
be able to whip up the quarter pounders, the Big Macs, and what have you. This episode is not sponsored by McDonald's, so I apologize for continuing to name drop. But what I'm saying is, as an employee, I'm not allowed to win the McDonald's Monopoly game. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's illegal. Yeah. Because from the public perspective, it seems like insider information, insider knowledge, and they will call McFraud. The one thing. Wow. You feel me? <laughs> McFraud. <laughs> I can't McTrust it is what they would get. So we don't want from the players. It's all of our jobs as athletes to build the game from a media perspective, from the player perspective, from the team perspective. And if it builds any kind of distrust, it has to be a hard line. So I'm with you. I think there's no way players should be able to to, to, to gamble for that for that reason alone, because actually it would do the opposite of building the game. McFraud was something that was said. <laughs> Sid, have you ever thought about betting on W games? Every day. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. Every time I game, I consider betting. Betting for yourselves or the teams you're playing against? For our team, just like what I think will happen. Um, sometimes I get knowledge about other teams, <laughs> about injuries or sicknesses, and uh, little, what is it, like the angel and the devil, like, do it, don't do it, do it, like what, you don't like money? Text the family member, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, the good, the good news is we won't have to make a decision on whether or not you have to retire. That'll happen for you after this conversation. Uh, the bad news is that's it for this episode of Journeyman. Shout out to the DraftKings Network. Shout out to Metalog Media. Shout out to Amin El Hassan and my girl, Sydney Colson. Uh, make sure you journey back next week. Same time, same place. And until then, you don't have to call.